0: This podcast is not meant to be professional advice of any kind. It is meant to be informative and entertaining. If you make any changes to your life, see the appropriate professional before you do so. Hello and welcome to SuperAge. My name is David Harry Stewart. I'm the founder of Aegist. At SuperAge, we help you live better and become the best version of yourself. And who doesn't want a SuperAge? Welcome to episode 61 of the Super Age podcast. It is great to have you with us. This will be dropping on November the 30th, 2021. Um, If you're in the States, last week was Thanksgiving, and I hope you had an awesome holiday with friends and family. It's really wonderful to be able to get together with people that we care about and, you know, socialize because we're social animals. And I have to say one of the best ways to de-stress is to hang out with people that you like doing whatever it is you like, whether it's going out hiking or inside watching football games. Um, It's all good. This week on the show, we're going to have Dr. Michael Bruce, uh, the sleep doctor. and He's going to talk about energizing and the way our chronotypes fit together with our body types. Now, I subscribe to something called the big rock theory. And we talk a lot here about the different ways to optimize ourselves, the different sort of supplements and techniques and brain trainings. Really, at the end of the day, if we just keep it simple and we say there are four big rocks they are what do you eat, how are you moving, how are you de stressing, and super important, how are you sleeping. So, you know, if it gets complicated and you think, what am I supposed to do? Think about. How can you improve what you're doing with those four big rocks? So that's movement, food, de-stressing, and sleep. So Michael Bruce, one of my good friends, one of my favorite people on this podcast. This will be his third time on the show. And he's really got some pretty revolutionary stuff out there about um, how to eat, when to eat, when to exercise, and when to sleep based on your chronotype and your body type. So we're going to get together with the sleep doctor himself, Dr. Michael Bruce, in just a second after a quick word from our sponsor. Today's show is brought to you by Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is a platform like no other. It helps us optimize our health and our performance out in the world. Did you know if you get a physical these days, the standard operating procedure for most physicians is not to measure your vitamin D level. They just assume that you're deficient and that you should probably take, you know, the general what they tell you is like 600 IU's of vitamin D every day. Now, I think a much better solution would be to use the Inside Tracker platform to monitor your critical biomarkers and let the platform suggest should you supplement, should you not, how much should you supplement, are there foods you should be eating, should you change up your behavior in some way so as to optimize your inner health. I'm a big fan of the Inside Tracker platform. I use it, I recommend it to all of our friends. And you know, it's a pretty great holiday gift. What's better than giving somebody inner health? Go to insidetracker.com slash Aegis today. Save 25% on all of the products. Empower yourself with the knowledge of what's going on inside your body.
1: Hey, Michael, how are you? I am better now that I'm talking
0: to you, my friend. It's so great to have you back on the show.
1: Um, It's always good to be here. And by the way, for folks out there who have not been checking out the newsletter, It's amazing. It's like one of my favorite things to get in email. First of all, the pictures are stunning. They're just absolutely beautiful, a la Dave. Um, But the the articles are great. I've actually learned a lot about a lot of people who are my age or older um, who are doing some amazing things. So I just wanted to put it out there like this is good stuff. Go check it out for sure.
0: Wow. Thanks for the love, Michael. That was great.
1: I mean, it's the truth, bro. I love this stuff.
0: Well, so you have a new book called Energize. Why why did you write this? You've written other books. Why did you write this book? So I'll tell you what happened. Um, So I have
1: to get a little slightly serious here for just a moment. So um, about three years ago, I had a cardiac event. So what does that mean? That means that in the middle of a restaurant, Michael went down and ended up in an ambulance and ended up in the hospital. And guess what? I was overdoing it. I was running three, five K's a week because that was how I reduced my stress. Um, and these weren't leisurely five K's, right? These were timed, trying to break my time every single time kind of things. And I burned out, I burned out on every level. I was intermittent fasting to the point of only eating for four hours a day. I was running and gunning hard. And to be honest with you, it was working, at least for a little while it was. I slimmed down. I had great energy. Things were going well. And then, you know, the the big guy upstairs put a, <laughs> put a halt to that pretty quick uh, in the middle of an Italian restaurant in uh, Hermosa Beach. And I really had to take stock of balance. That really became my new go-to word, which was, Michael, you can't, you can't live your life on highs and lows and highs and lows. And let's be honest. I know how to hack my way through this. Like I'm pretty good at this stuff. And it just came to the point where my body said enough is enough. And so I was really trying to learn more about how to live a more balanced lifestyle. Now I did it all based on my chronotypes. uh, Right. And so we talked, I think last time we talked about my book, the power of when, where we talked about the four different chronotypes. And that's been awesome. Um, that's unlocked uh, all kinds of secret uh, doors for me, as well as for people who've been reading it. We've actually sold over a hundred thousand copies of the book now, so we've got it in a lot of people's hands. It's very interesting work. Good science behind it, but something started to happen, which was um, no balance. So I was talking with my good friend uh, Stacy Griffiths. So Stacy is one of the founding um, trainers of a company called soul cycle. They do the indoor, uh, bicycle classes. If you're familiar, I'm, I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. And um, so she said to me, she said, Michael, half my clients, even after they get off the bike, tell me they're exhausted. I'm like, why? And she, I said, well, I gotta be honest with you. Sometimes my clients, after I get them sleeping, they tell me they're exhausted. And and we were both kind of like, that doesn't make sense. Like people, if they're getting good sleep, they should have energy. If they're working out, you know, appropriately, they should have energy. And so we said, let's kind of double tap and figure out what's going on here. So I turned to Stacy and I said, well, how do you determine what kind of workouts that you have people do? Because she doesn't just do the indoor cycling. She does training and all this other stuff. And she said, oh, well, I look at their bodies and I try to figure out which exercises that their bodies can do. The best because that's how we keep motivation going. Right. So you don't take somebody who's morbidly obese and say it's time to run a marathon, right? That shit doesn't work. So the goal is to match, she said she would match their bodies to the exercise. And I said, Are you talking about body types? Remember back in high school, Dave, that endomorph, mesomorph, ectomorph? Yeah. So she, so I, I described that to her and she was like, Yeah, I guess I kind of am thinking about that. And so I said, Well, what do you think would happen if we took the four chronotypes and we layered across them the three body types, just as an experiment to see what, what could we learn? And she was like, I have no idea, but I'm, I'm definitely excited to find out. And so here's the good news. We've had over a million and a half people take the quiz. Um, So we have a database of people with their results. So we, we picked a random 5,000 people and we asked them to take the body type quiz. Once we did that, we decided, okay, we're now going to institute this combination of your chronotype and your body type across your 24-hour cycle to see if we can figure out how to maintain your energy level. We started with intermittent fasting. Now, uh, I I think you're a fan of intermittent fasting. I can't recall. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Here's what's so fascinating about intermittent fasting. Many people have no idea where to start. They don't know when their feeding window should be, and they don't know how long that feeding window or fasting window should be. So we now have some guidelines based on your chronotype and your body type. So follow the science for just a second. If you remember the three body types, right? We had ectomorph which is kind of the long and lean person. We got mesomorph, which is more the V-shaped, kind of more a little bit on the muscular side person. And then the endomorph, which has got a little bit uh, on the thicker side, uh, they carry their weight in their hips, uh, guys maybe in their belly a little bit more, a little bit on the, on the heavier side, right? Those are the three different types. So you start to look at something like intermittent fasting and you say, how long should a person fast? Standard is you can have a 12-hour fast, you can have a... Um, I'm sorry, a 12 hour feed, a 10 hour feed, or an eight hour feed, right? Those are kind of the three big categories. How do you know which one to pick? You do it based on your body type. So if you're an endomorph and you're a little bit on the bigger side, you can actually have a smaller feeding window and a longer fast. So you can start, isn't this cool? So you can feed for eight hours And you can fast for 16. If you're a mesomorph, you feed for 10 and fast for 14. And if you're an uh, ectomorph, you fast for 12 and you feed for 12. All of a sudden, things started to make more sense. So then I said, all right, now let's add chronotypes to this. And so we actually move the schedule based on your chronotype. So if you're an early bird, what we call a lion, if you remember, we have you feeding in the morning time and fasting most of the evening time. But if you're a wolf like me, a night owl, dude, I can barely choke down, you know, a cup of coffee in the morning, much less some food. So I fast in the morning time and I don't start feeding until significantly later in the day, once again, based on my chronotype. So all of a sudden using genetics, right? Because your chronotype is genetic and your body type is genetic. This isn't something that you can willy nilly change if you want to. We now have locked in target points to be able to tell us how to put parameters on something like intermittent fasting. So we were like, okay, this is cool. What else can we do this on? And so we decided to do it on movement. So movement turns out to be one of those things that's also very interesting when you, when you combine body type and chronotype. So first of all, chronotypes, there are certain chronotypes that love exercise and there's certain chronotypes that hate it, okay? So if you remember, I have four different chronotypes. So the lion is the early bird, The bear is in the middle. The wolf is the night owl and the dolphin is the insomniac. So it turns out that lions, surprise, surprise, the people that naturally wake up at 5.30 in the morning, love to do cardio exercise. Not really a big shocker there, but here's what was interesting. If you're a night owl, even if you're a long and lean person, you don't like exercise at all. And doing cardio is even less likely for you to be able even if you've got the body type to do it, It doesn't seem to work. It's it's certainly not your preference and it's definitely not motivating. So finding exercises that are motivating based on your chronotype and then teaching people when to exercise once again, works out really well. So we find the exercise for their body type. We teach them when based on their chronotype. Now, to be fair, sleep is pretty much just chronotype. Um, we do know a couple of things about body types and sleep. One of them is with our endomorphs our a little bit bigger people. They do have a tendency to have more sleep apnea than our other types merely because of their, uh, an- anatomy and their weight structure and things like that. So we make sure that we test them as well. And so what the book does, so the book is called energize how to go from dragging ass to kicking it in 30 days. And so the whole goal here is once you learn your chronotype. Once you learn your body type, we create a power profile for you. Um, And now you learn, you know, exactly when and how to intermittent fast, you know how to move, you know how to sleep and our movements. We've got specific movements throughout the day that we teach people that actually give people energy, not suck it away.
0: Oh my God. You're blowing my mind. (laughs) Um, I need to digest this for a second. It's Uh, pretty cool, right? All right. So um, I'm a bear. Oh, um, and I think I'm an ectomorph. You are. Um, so you're what we would call a fast bear. I'm a fast bear. I'd rather be a fast bear than a slow bear. That's Absolutely. right. So um, what we
1: do is we take your body types and we give you a speed. So um, ectomorphs are fast because they have fast metabolisms. Mesomorphs are medium because they have medium metabolism. And endomorphs are slow because they have slow metabolisms.
0: So, help me out. So what you're a t- fast bear, dude. <laughs> it's you only got a bear to be. <laughs> it's a good one. <laughs> so, um, so if you were to intermittent fast, tell me. You would
1: feed for 12 hours, you would fast for 12 hours, and your eating schedule would be based off of your sleep schedule. So, as a bear, you're probably going to bed around 10, 10:30. We don't want you to eat for about three hours before that way it clears the system. You don't have to worry about going to the bathroom and things like that. So you would stop your feeding at seven thirty, and you would start your, your feeding at seven thirty in the morning because you're 12 hours. Cause you don't need to lose weight. You just need to maintain energy.
0: Okay. And now my exercise, mm-hmm. what's my exercise pattern?
1: So your exercise pattern, so with the good news for you as a bear, although I will tell you a lot of bears have issues, you're a regular exerciser, but a lot of the bears that I, I work with, if we don't get them to exercise before noon, it isn't going to happen. Um, their motivation just kind of goes off the deep end. So for you, I would recommend probably cardio because you probably like that being a long and lean person. That's probably more motivating for you because you can probably run further than many other people can. I would say consider doing your cardio probably in the mid morning. If you can, like if there's a universe where you can do a run at nine o'clock, it'd be perfect for you. Now, if that doesn't work, you could do from eight to eight 30 and then, you know, shower dress and kind of start your day that way. But if you could go a little bit later, it would be great. Now, if you were a wolf like me, we'd want you to try to exercise around lunchtime because quite frankly, that's about the only time we can get wolves to exercise. <laughs> what about the poor dolphins? What? So dolphins are different. So remember, dolphins are my insomniacs. And actually, we love having them exercise early in the morning because it actually helps calm them down. You know, they're running at a super high frequency. Like their anxiety is like kind of going pretty heavy. So we like them having sex in the mornings and we like them exercising the mornings because that release actually helps calm them down. Those endorphins and in that come through with exercise and sex help calm them down and actually make for a better day.
0: Wow. Okay, so I'm, I'm an especially ambitious fast bearer. Okay. So I do my cardio in the morning and then in the afternoon, about 4.30, I go and lift weights.
1: So you are an especially ambitious bear. Um, and part of that has to do with just your motivation and what you want your physical goals to be, um, which is great. To be clear, I would say about a third of my bears are like you where they can do exercise twice a day or they're motivated afternoon to be able to exercise. So that's great.
0: It's it's good that you've got that level of motivation. Wow. <laughs> it's great. This is, you know, people ask me, all the time, Michael. They're like, "Okay, so I should fast. How much?" And it's like, "Well, yeah, I don't know." And it's just like, you know, whatever works for you. Like, but that's but the problem. Now there's a formula. Yeah,
1: I mean, and it and it's really basic. Like, it really like as soon as I say it to people, they're like, "Oh, that makes
0: sense." <laughs> you
1: know, and I'm like, "I know, dude. Let's do it."
0: Wow. Well, let's get back to sort of the core question here. Like, mm-hmm. when you say energy, what do you mean by energy? Yeah. So this is a great question. So what I mean by it is change the ability to
1: change and actually changing. Believe it or not, there are multiple types of energy. So in the book, we talk about um, moving energy. We talk about resting energy. We talk about emotional energy. Um, So there's lots of different kinds of energy, but the fundamental um, definition is a, a person's ability to change. Um, is energetic. And so we want that to be positive energy. To be fair, there's lots of negative energy out there. Um, As an example, on the emotional energy side of things, one of the things that we're helping people do is identify what we call energy vampires, right? So you know who these people are. These are people in your life who suck the freaking life out of you, right? No matter what you say or do to them, no matter how you try to be helpful to them, they're takers, They just pull the life and energy out of you. So we teach people, number one, how to identify those people and number two, how to schedule them in or out of your life, right? Because that's one of those important things that you've got to start to recognize is you're not gonna be able to help all the other people in your life if this energy vampire is taking up all of your time. Um, Other aspects that we talk about on the emotional energy side, which is a lot of fun is laughter. People don't think about it, but you know what? If you watch uh, 15 minutes of a comedy that you really like, like I like that show, uh, The Big Bang Theory. I don't know if you've ever seen that show. Mm -hmm. I love that show. I think it is freaking hilarious because I'm as nerdy as those guys are. And I, I can really relate to a lot of that stuff. If I watch 15 minutes of that, like I'm in a really good mood. That's energy, right? That's the ability to change your energetic state at whatever point in time that you wanna do. Uh, another one I'll tell you about that's, that's a lot of fun that uh, you'll appreciate is music, right? So when you listen to one of your favorite songs, what happens? You start moving around, you start getting into it. And all of a sudden, before you know it, you're dancing, you're tapping your feet, you're, you're singing along, you have now changed your energy from wherever it was to probably a positive place. A perfect example is my son, Cooper, who I think you've met or spoken to before. Cooper, um, we told him in the morning time, if he wanted to get up, he could play his music as loud as he wanted. And so he would play the Beastie Boys. You got to fight for your right to party <laughs> every morning at 730 in the morning.
0: Right Right on, Cooper.
1: (laughs) Right on, Cooper. Exactly. And you know what? The whole house was popping around like, yeah, you got to fight for your right to party. Like we're having a blast and we're changing the energetic component of the morning, right? Because if you've got a teenager and you're trying to wake them up to get them to school at 730 in the morning, it's hell, okay? There's nothing easy about that that transition. So understanding the different types of energy turn out to be really good. And we actually have people tracking their energy during the day and then switching up and doing special movements to help keep that energy flowing.
0: Uh, Question for you. So, you know, we have the sleep, we have movement, we Mm -hmm. have fasting. What about type of food? Does the has that been layered in there
1: so to be really honest with you that is a bigger topic than i was able to cover okay <laughs> there, there are so many interesting like we were thinking about doing really clean eating then we were thinking about should it be vegetarian and vegan then we were thinking about should it be keto and pa- paleo to be fair dude like there's just too many levels of expertise in that so we'd rather tell people when and uh, when to eat and how long to fast for and let them kind of go to their own devices for what to eat, but that being said, you'll see in the book. I ran the experiment the very first time when I did intermittent fasting. So for 30 days, I ate a pint of ice cream every single night. Oh fuck! Every no. night.
0: You're still so lying. Super
1: size me, buddy. Exactly. <laughs> and I did not gain a pound. Oh my god! One pound. Oh, that would just got, kill me. I got really ill. Just to be clear. <laughs> The dairy was terrible, um, so I switched to coconut uh, milk ice cream, and then we, we tried some different ones. But you know, intermittent fasting can be a very, very powerful, powerful tool. But it is not, to be clear, not licensed to you know intermittent fast where you only eat candy, as an example, <laughs> right? that that's not going to be good for folks out there. If you're, if you're kind of, if your wheels are turning in that direction, I'm going to point them (laughs) back the other way. Um, so we try not to tell people what to eat, just when to eat it. And for how long
0: for everybody listening out there, like for 99% of the people out there, if you eat a glycemic load, like what Michael was just (laughs) deciding, you're going to end up with type two diabetes and all kinds of terrible things. (laughs) Don't do that. Mm -mm. Um, Yeah, I was just wondering, because I've sort of, um, over the last three or four months, my main source of food is nuts. Like, Mm. I eat like walnuts and just like any kind of like nut thing. Absolutely. um, Seems to really work for me.
1: I like Brazil nuts because they're loaded with selenium. Right, right. That can be super duper helpful for if you have weight loss goals, um, if you have energy goals. So I've, like you see me, I'm drinking my smoothie here. Yeah, what's in that, man? So I'll tell you what I've got in this. Yeah. So I have um I have uh animal protein, so egg white protein powder. Mm -hmm. I have um athletic greens, so I get all of my not athletic greens, I'm sorry, paleo valley greens. I actually like them better than athletic greens, so I have all my greens in that. I have fresh blueberries for the antioxidants. Um what else do I have in here? I have my selenium, so I have my Brazil nuts, and then I put a handful of almonds in there. On occasion, I've known, been known to put a scoop of almond butter in there or a banana, depending upon how high my, I want my glycemic index to be, because, you know, bananas can really spike your glycemic index pretty high. Yep. Um, and, um, and I have a little bit of cacao powder in here and um, this stuff called Ripple, which is a plant-based, um, almost like a chocolate milk type of drink that gives me a little bit more protein in it. And honestly, I love this thing. Then I can also throw my supplements in here if I want to grind them up. Um, or just take them afterwards. I don't know about you. I have about six or eight supplements that I take each day. I cannot take them on an empty stomach. Otherwise it just makes me vomit. So I have to get one of these in me first. Um, and I don't eat until about one o'clock in the afternoon because I'm a wolf. So, uh, I have to wait until I take my supplements, but that's what I take uh, almost every day.
0: Oh, yeah, cool. I I mean, I, I very similar. Yeah. Uh, Um, it's so. This is so interesting because I, I, I know that with some people, the intermittent fasting is actually really stressful on their body. Yes yeah, it is. Yeah. So, and I think people, and so let's, let's double tap on that for a second.
1: Yeah. So, you know, here's the thing is, it's about consistency. Number one. So I know a lot of people who intermittent fast all over the place that mm-hmm. one day they're fasting at this time, the next day they're fasting at that time. That's a terrible idea. You need to pick the length of your fast and you need to pick the timing of your fast and they need to be as consistent as possible. Now, to be fair, if you want them to work the best, read my book and I'll show you exactly how to do that. But if if you don't have time to do that, or you don't have an inclination to do that, just maintain a level of consistency. Otherwise it gets super duper stressful, right? Because what happens is you're you sense, so your, your stomach is on a circadian rhythm, right? So it all comes back to sleep somehow. So um, there, you do have a rhythm in your gut specifically with your microbiome. And so your gut is expecting certain things at certain times. And if you don't actually feed it what it needs, when it needs it, it kind of looks for it elsewhere or thinks it's not going to show up or things like that. So having that level of consistency, and I know that's kind of boring, but it's like, I drink the same damn shake every single day. Right. That's what I do. That's my lunch. And that's with my supplements. And then I have a nice, you know, reasonable dinner and I'm off and running. That's what I tell people all the time. Doing an intermittent fast should not be stressful. If anything, it should actually be stress reducing because Mm. you don't have to worry about one of the three meals that you normally would have worried about because you're probably fasting past it. Right. So maybe breakfast is no longer there or dinner is no longer there or something like that. That's number one. But I'll tell you the most interesting thing or stressful thing about for me with intermittent fasting was I missed mealtime with my family. Mm. And so what I would do is I would have like if everybody was having breakfast in the morning, I would just have a cup of hot water with some lemon and spend the time with my family because it's still an important gathering moment for your family unit. So I think that's also another way to get the stress out of it is to still participate, but just don't eat and then also really have consistency in it. And I think that will help lower stress as well.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. I think that one of the, um, you know, the, the biggest thing you can do for your epigenome to like, um, get it signaling properly is reduce your stress. And the number one way to reduce stress is have social interaction. Um, 100%. Right. Hang out it's, with your family, hang out with your family, right? Hang out, right. Eat with friends. And I, it's interesting, you know, one of the things that you stressed in one of our earlier calls was about this idea of consistency of sleep. Yes. So go to sleep every night, exactly the same time, wake up exactly the same time, no matter what, just, just do that. Right. Now I want
1: to, I want to give a quick caveat to that. Yeah. Which is if you have to choose between the two. Okay. It's the wake up time. That's more important than the go to bed time. Now you might be wondering about that like hold on a second Michael why would the wake up time be more important than the go to bed time so let me tell you the science behind it because it's actually quite fascinating when you wake up in the morning at a consistent time let's say it's 6:15 because that's roughly the time that I wake up without an alarm when sunlight hits your eyeball you have special cells in your eyeballs called melanopsin cells these turn off the melatonin faucet in your brain, which allows you to kind of clear the brain fog and wake up. Now that is a very well-known scientific fact. And the more consistent you are with it, the more your body can expect Mm. when to turn off the melatonin faucet. Seems pretty logical, but there's another fact that very few people know about, which is when it turns off the faucet in your head, it sets a timer for roughly 16, 14, 15, 15 hours later to start melatonin. So if you get up at one day and it says to wake up, start melatonin 14 hours later, and then you sleep in on Saturday morning until 8.30, guess what? It doesn't self-adjust. Melatonin is again gonna be coming 15 hours later, which means you're gonna naturally go to bed later if you sleep in. You see the cycle where it's going? It's just headed in the wrong freaking direction the whole way. But if you keep your wake-up time consistent, and I mean seven days a week consistent, which I know that kind of sucks, like people don't like to wake up at 6.15 on Saturday and 6.15 on Sunday, trust me, just do it. Your entire circadian cycle re-ups every single time you do and resets that melatonin and within about seven to 10 days number one you'll do it naturally it only takes seven to ten days by the way for your body to adjust to that um and number two your body starts functioning better so there's one thing you take away from all of this besides buy my book which is always the thing i want people to take away from this <laughs> is wake up at the same time every single day
0: so then i, I got a question for you here fire so, away bro so we've got um you go through different sleep cycles right mm-hmm. during the night so what are you there's four or five so mentally? there's
1: so there are sleep stages sleep, and there are okay. sleep cycles. Sleep okay. stages are stages one, two, three, and four, and yep. REM. A sleep cycle is about a 90-minute progression where you go through those stages in a
0: very particular order. Gotcha. And so how many of those do you go through in a night? You have five sleep cycles you on average. Five. And, and does each sleep cycle include um, REM and deep? It does, but in different amounts depending upon where you are in the night help me out on that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So if it's the beginning, if it's the first third of the night, you get more stage three, four, and very, very little REM. In some cases, you may only get 30 seconds to a minute of REM, but you could get an hour and a half of stage three, four in the back half of the night, the last third of the night, you might only get two or three minutes of stage three and four, but you might get an hour of REM. So the question is, what does REM do and what does stage three and four do? And why is my body stacking it like that? Is there, is there a purpose to this? So stage three and four sleep is your physical restoration, right? This is like bringing your car into the body shop and getting the dinks and the dents and all that kind of crap pulled out of it. Mother nature decided to have that happen first. And here's why. If you get disrupted in the middle after three hours of sleep, you need this unit, meaning your body, to be able to hop up and get you the heck out of there. And so that restorative nature of it becomes very, very important. REM sleep, believe it or not, is really more mental restoration, not physical restoration. So if you wake up after three hours, you can get up, you might not know exactly which way you're going, (laughs) Um, but you will get up and you will be able to get out and move around. So from an evolutionary perspective, we think that stage three, four sleep—that physical restoration—comes first to avoid things like predators, survival, all of that kind of stuff. Whereas REM sleep, again, in the back half of the night, is much more for kind of memory, uh, attention, focus, that sort of stuff. Sure.
0: That is so interesting. I, I wear an Aura ring, and me too. It, it, so it breaks it down into like light sleep, uh, REM, and deep. And my deep is always front loaded, mm-hmm. and my REM, as is, it should be, is back loaded right so that right. means
1: you're you're a human you're, you're doing this the right <laughs> way brother
0: thank god <laughs> so um uh, we, i had a few um i let people know that i was speaking to you and and yeah, yeah. some of our listeners wrote in mm. and they have some questions here for you is that is that cool i'd love it fire away okay so the first person and i know this person she says um i am a i have a strong suspicion i have a super sleeper but actually she's using the wrong word there she means um, super awaker. Uh, It's (laughs) like, she's an elite sleeper. It runs in her family. So Mm -hmm. she's somebody who can, um, like not sleep for like a couple of days and just sort of go, go, go.
1: Okay. So that's not true. So let me tell you. So there are people in this universe that are called short sleepers. So they have a very particular genetic makeup. Believe it or not, we can almost figure it out from like a 23andMe or an Hmm. Ancestry.com where they will only require two to three hours of sleep a night and still function like a normal human. I am unaware of anybody who genetically speaking does not require sleep for 36, 48, 72 hours. It just doesn't work that way. Like the body just isn't attuned that way. Right. Um, it'd be interesting to see if that person uses any caffeine or stimulants to help keep them awake, or if it's all just natural that they're not awake, they could be an extreme short sleeper, which would be hyper rare, um, but it would run in families. So that wouldn't necessarily be the craziest idea I've ever heard. But for most people out there, the lower level limit on sleep is about five and a half. Uh, five and three quarter hours. Once you get less than that, your ability to drive a vehicle is highly fragmented and can be quite dangerous. Um, you you would actually be considered drunk behind the wheel if you get less than about five five and a half hours of sleep, just from a reaction time standpoint and and things of things of that nature. Um, upper level limit um, is about nine nine and a half hours. Now you, know, you might be saying, well, can you sleep too much? Believe it or not. You kind of can. So if the body allows you to sleep more than nine hours, the red flag that's going up for me is quality, right? So remember sleep is not just a quantity game. It's a quality game as well. And so if you're sleeping nine, 10, 11 hours, I mean, I got people who turn to me like Michael, if I don't get my 10 hours, you know, I'm done. The very first thing I want to do on that person is do a sleep study. I want to know what the quality of their sleep, could they have a mild case of sleep apnea, which is extending their sleep. Could they have a variant of narcolepsy, um, restless leg syndrome, those types of things are things that I would worry about. But for your average, normal, healthy human, I would argue somewhere between six and a half and probably eight, eight and a half is a reasonable range in which to function. Now my sleep, uh, I can't remember if I ever, did I ever tell you the story about how I ended up only sleeping six hours and 15 minutes every night?
0: I'm dying to know. (laughs) So I'm the sleep doctor and I'm here to
1: tell you, I only sleep six hours and 15 minutes. So I ran an experiment about the consistency of my sleep. So for for the experiment, what I decided to do was have consistency in my bedtime, not my wake up time, because I wanted to see what time I would naturally wake up. I'm a midnight guy. I go to bed right around midnight. So when I first started the experiment, I would go to bed at midnight and I wake up around 730, 735 or so. Keeping it as consistent as I could within a month, I was waking up at 7.15. About two months later, I was waking up at seven o'clock. About three months after that, I was waking up at 6.45. Within a year, my body wouldn't allow me to sleep longer than six hours and about 15 minutes because of the consistency and that I was sleeping within my chronotypical swim lane, if you will, right? Because I'm a night owl. So all of a sudden I found this consolidation, dude, I got like an hour and a half more to my day. Like I literally found time in my day by having a more consistent sleep schedule based on
0: my chronotype. <laughs> okay. So I got to know some things. since you were an aura ring, yeah. what's your, what's your sleep efficiency? My sleep efficiency is actually quite high. It's usually in the
1: eighties. Um, like 85, 90s or so. But my sleep score is not necessarily that high because I don't get a lot of sleep. And Aura uses total sleep time as one of the factors in your total sleep score. And just for everybody's edification, I'm on Aura's board. I am their chief sleep advisor. Um, surprise, surprise. Um, and uh, I just got the new, uh, the the series three ring. They just came out with the new one here. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I like it a lot. Um, it does some new interesting things for sure.
0: Yeah, I just ordered one. Um, the, uh, so anyway, now what I, cause what I'm wondering is, has the amount of your deep and REM stayed mm-hmm. the same and you've just become more efficient with that and you've eliminated the light and all the rest of it that you don't really need? Yes. How did you do that? <laughs> I want to know did, how to do that.
1: It's just by the consistency. I, I, I know it sounds like I'm giving you too easy of an answer. It's just by going to bed at midnight every single night that really? worked for me. Now you're a bear. So we would pick a different bedtime for you per se, um, but in a lot of cases, it's literally about that level of consistency of the bedtime and the wake up time and that just literally begins to shrink. And it's happened wow. more. It's not like it just happened with me, almost all of my elite clients. So I also on the side, I'm a high performance sleep coach for like athletes and celebrities and people like that. And so with every single one of them, if I can get them to follow the schedule, every one of them benefits this way and they actually require less sleep. Now, it will change if you get sick, um, if you're ill, uh, if you have COVID, uh, things like that will obviously change the need, the sleep need that's required. But if you're generally healthy human, I can probably knock you down to six hours and 15 minutes, no problem.
0: I want to get this straight. So, (laughs) (laughs) because I want to be an elite sleeper. Um, If I want to do this, all I have to do is just stay within my lane. So for me, I go to... At 10, 15, or not even 10, 10, 14, every night, I'm out. That's it. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Out. So if I just keep doing that for a long so, enough period so of time.
1: Exactly. What will happen is, is that you're, so do you wake up using an alarm now? Never. Right. What time do you generally get up? Seven twelve. Perfect. So now you've layered it. So you know kind of what your body needs. If you can layer that in for long enough, you should start to see that shrink.
0: Uh, now- We get a lot of people, um, sometimes myself included, who, you know, exercise, they do all the right stuff. They're not drinking at nine, they're drinking coffee, but then they wake up at like three o'clock. hundred percent. What's the solution?
1: So I'll tell you, it's actually quite interesting. So this is the second most popular question that I get asked. The number one question I get asked is what bed should I buy? People always want to know about beds. The second most popular question I get is how do I turn my brain off at night? Which I think kind of falls into this category a little bit because here's what happens is you wake up at two o'clock in the morning, you look at the clock, then you instantly do the mental math and then you get pissed off. Oh shit, it's 3.30 in the morning. I've got to be up by six. I've only got two and a half hours left. Sleep, sleep, sleep. And you try to force yourself to go back to sleep. Here's the thing, Dave. Sleep is a lot like love. The less you look for it, the more it shows up, right? So when you're out there looking for that person in your life who you wanted to spend the rest of your life with, you never found them when you were looking for them. But the moment you stopped looking so freaking hard, they wandered into your universe. And that's really how sleep works. So in the middle of the night, my first recommendation is if it's at all possible, don't look at the clock. Now I'm going to be real with you. I don't know anybody that doesn't look at the clock. Okay, I've asked people to not look at the clock. For some reason, there's this compulsion that they have (laughs) to know what time it is. Of course. So so I'm going to work with you on this. You have to know what time it is. You got to change the audio engineer in your head. And instead of saying, oh, shit, you say this is awesome. And I'll tell you why. There's new data looking at non sleep deep rest. OK, so this is lying in a quiescent position in the dark, eyes closed, but you're not asleep. There is a significant amount of rejuvenative value to doing just that. So here's what you do when you flip the script in your head and you say, shit, it's 3:30," Instead, what you're going to say is this is awesome. I learned from Dr. Bruce and on the podcast that I can lie here awake, but still get some rejuvenation from this. I'm gonna chill and relax. And if I fall back asleep, that's great. But if I don't, that's happened many times before, it's not gonna be the end of the world and I'm going to be okay. What happens then is you lower that expectation dramatically and that actually lowers your anxiety and then allows the natural sleep process to kick back in and take over. And that's really, you know, I, I always philosophically tell people sleep is about two things. It's about discipline and acceptance, right? Discipline is I'm doing all the right stuff. I got good sleep hygiene. I'm going to bed at the right time, blah, blah, blah. Acceptance is when something just goes wrong, which it does all the time, right? So, as an example, if something's going on with my daughter, it doesn't matter what I've done, I'm not going to sleep well. It's just how I am, right? If something's going on with my son, Cooper, I'm just not going to sleep well because that's just who I am. Everybody has those instances or things in their life that are going to do that. And that is perfectly okay, right? Like I want people to understand it's fine because nobody dies from insomnia. You might feel like you're going to, but I swear to you, you don't. So when you wake up in the middle of the night, if you can avoid it, don't look at the clock. If you can't and you just got to look at the clock, remember you can get something that's of value to your body and your health without going back to sleep and that's okay thing to do. And if that's all you get for the rest of the morning, you're still ahead of the game because otherwise you would have been up drinking a cup of coffee and not getting anything out of it,
0: right? I'm gonna tell you a funny story. So like, like two weeks ago, um, I don't look at my watch or the clock. Mm-hmm. I look outside, I wake up, I look outside and it looks like it's getting light. I think, oh, okay. I'm really excited to get down on my spin bike. So I grab my phone and I brush my teeth and I look at my phone and I think there's something wrong with my phone because it's if an hour early says, no it's 1 30 in the morning oh god and I'm thinking like what and I look outside it was a full moon right <laughs>
1: oh <laughs> like, right right that's hilarious <laughs> it's like, dude. oh my god you idiot go back to bed <laughs> that's hilarious sometimes I'll do the same thing so what I'll do is if I wake up and it's the middle of the night I'll kind of open one eye because we have a a window that's by our bed and I'll just see if the sun is out. Because if the sun is starting to peek its head out, I know that I'm probably need to get up in about 15 or 20 minutes. Because I like to get up right around, you know, daybreak. Um, And by the way, if for folks out there who do like to get up around daybreak, there's actually data to suggest that watching the sun rise is very healthy. For your circadian rhythms and very good for your eyeballs, like the rods and the cones and all Mm. the stuff that's inside there. It's very good for now to be clear, you don't need to stare at the sun, but you know, be outside, watch the sun rise and get that uh, light exposure in the morning. It'll turn off that melatonin faucet really quickly. Um, and it's a nice way to start your day.
0: So there's some of these, um, these wearables out there that are promising better sleep. Um, Somebody wrote it about Cove, Apollo Neuro, um, mm-hmm. BrainTap, which I use. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what, are your, what are your thoughts on these?
1: Okay, so there's two different types of devices out there. There are trackers, like mm-hmm. we mentioned earlier, like Aura Ring. Um, full disclosure, I'm on their board and I'm their chief sleep guy. Um, to be fair, they have the most accurate tracker in the market and they've proven it in the data. Mm-hmm. So they went head to head with Fitbit and all those other things. So if you're looking to track, I would recommend an Aura over probably anything else. Um, just from a pure accuracy standpoint. Mm -hmm. What you're talking about are what I call push technology. So Mm -hmm. Aura is a pull technology, right? I'm getting data from my human subject, I'm then assessing it and I'm giving them information back. Push technology is I'm gonna put something into that human, whether it's a sound wave, it's a light wave, it's it's a haptic signal, whatever it happens to be. So there are devices now on the market and they're making some very interesting claims. my two favorite that are in this kind of genre that are not thermoregulatory, because there's a bunch that actually regulate your body temperature, are BrainTap, the one that you had mentioned, um, and Apollo. Um, both of these are very, very interesting. So Apollo, I like the science behind it. And um, also, I'm, I've, so just so that you're everybody out there is aware, I've spoken at length with people at BrainTap, so I really do understand their uh, science, and I do support um, them by selling their product. Um, and the same with Apollo Neuro. I love their science. It's really interesting stuff. Apollo Neuro has got something that I've never seen done before. They actually can actually um, help change parasympathetic tone. So not to get too deep in the weeds on science, but you have a a nervous system that has got sympathetic and parasympathetic. So the sympathetic, I always think of that old Rolling Stones song, Sympathy for the Devil, right? So it's active and gets you going. Parasympathetic, is actually the rest and digest part of your nervous system. So what Apollo Neuro has been able to figure out how to do is with a particular frequency of haptic signal, so a little buzzing like you get on your watch or something like that, at a very particular uh, frame and signal and speed, it actually lowers your sympathetic and raises your parasympathetic. So it lowers your anxious side and it increases your relaxed side. So originally the device was being used for doctors for burnout. Um, Dr. Dave Rabin, who's one of the founding uh, guys there, he actually was doing it just for his buddies because they were all, they all had burnout. They were ER docs. They were psychiatrists. There were a bunch of people who were like, this sucks. Like life is difficult. And then all of a sudden they started having this haptic signal and it worked out well for them. Secondarily, they found it has a great effect on sleep. And so we're actually working now to, uh, to really understand that even better, run some studies so that we can give people the real data behind it. But I personally use Apollo all, every day. Um, I use it to wake up too. I really like the haptic signal. that it, it gives this like nice energetic morning kind of thing. So I really like that one. And I will use my brain tap. I'll be honest, I don't use it every day. I use brain tap probably twice a week. Um, and sometimes I'll use it in replace of a nap. So I like to take an occasional nap during the daytime. It can be very helpful for energy, focus, things like that. And some days, instead of actually conking out, I'll use the BrainTap and it's a lot of fun. And so BrainTap, for folks who don't know it, it's got a headset system and an eye system and you get lights and you get particular sounds, at particular frequencies. Um, and Dr. Patrick Porter has done an amazing job of detailing the science. So if people are interested in that product, you should definitely go to their website and check it out. I've, I've been impressed with it uh, so far quite a bit. But those two technologies have been ones that I think are really interesting. The third is, like I mentioned before, the uh, the thermoregulatory technology that's out there. So um, if you're interested in chili pads or things like that, these are things that you can put in your bed that can raise or lower the core bi- your core body body temperature, which sleep seems to follow that process. And so you can actually manipulate your sleep by getting hotter or colder. So we all like
0: the blue pill, right? Yes. <laughs> blue pill versus the red pill, right? A blue pill versus the red pill. So, um, sleep meds, um, mm-hmm. melatonin, CBD, there's like, um, gamma. there's a million of them. There's a million of them. What's no. the word? Okay. So here's the word number one, I don't believe.
1: Let me back up. I'm not even going to make that statement. There are people in this world that need a pill to sleep, period. And that's okay. All right. If you are a paranoid schizophrenic, you may need Ambien to go to bed. That is perfectly acceptable to me. If you're bipolar, if you have major depression, all of these types of situations, if you and your psychiatrist have come to the conclusion that a pharmaceutical aid is helping you get the rest that you need, don't change. Okay no, 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 no. Talk with your psychiatrist. Talk with your doctor. Talk with them before you do anything. Am I a big fan of pharmaceutical sleep? No, I'm really not. To be honest with you, it's different than regular sleep, but if you ain't going to get any sleep, it's better than no sleep for sure. Here's what I like to do is I like to look at people's deficiencies first, before I start saying, Hey, try valerian or try GABA or try this. So what I ask people to do is go to your doctor and say, I'd like to do a blood test where I test my melatonin, my magnesium, my vitamin D and my iron specifically in iron. You want to test something called ferritin. So Here's why you want to test ferritin. There's, a, there's several studies to show that low levels of ferritin can give you restless leg type symptomatology. where you get a creepy crawly feeling on your legs and you can't fall asleep. It's actually very easy to treat without having to use big bad drugs to do it just by giving people better iron. So that's one thing that I want you to check. Um, most people are deficient in vitamin D. Many people don't know this. Vitamin D is a circadian pacemaker and it also gives you energy. I personally take 10,000 international units of vitamin D every single day. Um, I recommend it to people talk with your doctor first, but it it is definitely one of those things. And it's cheap. You can get D three at like, you know, the drugstore for like eight bucks for like a gazillion of them.
0: Michael, what's your vitamin D level in your blood?
1: So that's a, so it's a great question. So looking through absorption becomes an issue as well. So one of the things that I'm right now searching for is to find a better way to absorb vitamin D. Now, to be fair, I'm in the sunshine every single, I mean, we live in Southern California, so I have the fortunate, good fortune of having sunshine like 300 days a year. So I try to do that, but my vitamin D levels aren't fantastic. I think I was in the like 50 range, 55 range, and I take 10,000 units a day. So absorption is an issue. So we're trying to find better ways for me to absorb vitamin D um, for my body. And so we're, we're actually walking down that path right now. I'm starting to learn a little bit more about my body chemistry, which is kind of cool. Um, magnesium is the other biggie so many people are deficient. Calm. in magnesium. I
0: take calm before I go to bed. I love so calm.
1: I like calm calm has got a, it. So when, for, if folks don't know calm is a powder, it's a magnesium powder. Now, if you're looking to, uh, if you get a, a result that says you, you have low levels of magnesium, believe it or not, there are six different types of magnesium. Mm. Um, the one that seems to help sleep the most is called magnesium three Oh, Nate, like the number three, so it's uh, threonate, magnesium threonate appears to have the best absorption and the biggest effect on sleep. Next would be uh, magnesium glycinate um, because that is a big one. And I think that's the one that's used in calm, but don't quote me on that. I'm citrate. Not but citrate is the third citrate one that, calm, I, yeah. that I citrate would, that I would recommend again, absorption, Uh, effects on sleep, things of that nature. Now I will, I want to go back to vitamin D for just a second um, and give people a a little kind of warning Um, with vitamin D in particular. um, We now know that 98% of the COVID deaths are in people who are vitamin D deficient, 98%. Okay. So it's not a small number. I'm not suggesting that if you take vitamin D, you're not going to die from COVID. But what I am telling you is you should take more vitamin D.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a huge component of the immune system.
1: It's a massive component of yeah. the immune system. It does a lot of very interesting things. Um, obviously, you want the kind that absorbs the best, um, and that's going to have some variability on you based on your age, your gender, your medical condition, uh, blood chemistry, things like that.
0: You mentioned that vitamin D is um, involved with circadian rhythm. So... Um, but it takes a while to like cycle up in the bloodstream. Does it, so it doesn't really matter what time of day, like, do you have to take it at a certain time of day?
1: So I will tell, so no, you don't have to take it at a certain time of day. I will take you, I take mine in the mornings and to be very honest with you, I notice when I don't take it, I don't know what it is. It just feels like I'm off. It just feels like I'm not mm. kind of on my regular pace. So for me, I take it every morning at you know, right when I wake up type of thing and, uh, it works out well.
0: Yeah, it's, I've been taking vitamin D. I've started taking five thousand international units a day, mm-hmm. and but it took me a year to get my level from thirty-five to forty-five. I told you. And and now and, and now sort of, I go like every other day. I do like 5, 000 one day, ten thousand the next day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 10, just seems like an insane amount to take.
1: But- it sounds like it's an insane amount to take, but it's literally one of these itty bitty, teeny tiny pills. Um, I am currently searching for something that's got a little bit better absorption than regular D three. Um, and that's why I also kind of supplement with sunlight. Um, and I'm Mm -hmm. serious. I spend 15 minutes in the sun. And by the way, that's the only, that's the amount of time that you need for your body to actually start to generate vitamin D is 15 minutes in the sun. You don't have to be out there for hours and I'll be lying at the beach. Um, so getting back to your original question about supplements and, um, and, uh, medications, Um, my first thing is blood work. I want to make sure the body isn't deficient in something that we're trying to replace it for. So Mm. I'd rather we work on your vitamin D and your magnesium and your iron, uh, to make sure that those are all functioning properly first. Now, if those are all good, then we get into what are the supplements that are out there and when should I use them? So, um, as an example, melatonin is a supplement that many, many people use. So let's talk just really briefly about what is melatonin and how does it work? Remember guys, melatonin is a hormone. It's not a root, it's not a supplement, it's a hormone that got under the FDA uh, guise because it wasn't classified as something that the FDA had to regulate. Here's the problem. You can put just about any amount of melatonin in anything that you want, and it's perfectly legal to do. The appropriate dose based on the data out of MIT is between a half and one and a half milligrams. 95% of melatonin is sold in an overdosage format, meaning they're in three, five, even 10 milligrams. Okay. This is terrible. This is the reason why so many people say to me, I take melatonin and it gives me crazy dreams. Well, the number one side effect for overdosing is really vivid dreams. So I'm always telling people less is more with melatonin for sure. Um, Also, by the way, um, there was a study about two years ago, where they pulled 15 bottles of melatonin off the shelf, all different brands, and looked at the amounts that were in each pill, not one of them was what it said on the label, not one, half of them were over and half of them were under roughly. So you may not be getting what you think you're getting.
0: And do you want, do you want the melatonin to start the sleep cycle or do you want it consistent through, do you want time release or do you want it in the beginning?
1: So honestly, time release melatonin sounds like the stupidest idea in the universe to me, Um, because why would you want more melatonin halfway through the night? Your body is already here's the thing that people don't understand. Your body's already producing melatonin. Ninety five percent of people have plenty of melatonin on board. It might not show up at the right time, because remember, we were talking about how if you change your bedtime and your wake up time, your melatonin gets all wonky. That's really what's happening. People are sticking a supplement in them that nine times out of 10, they really don't need. If they just had a consistent wake-up time and a consistent bedtime, there'd be no need for
0: them to take melatonin. Wow. Right on. Uh, I can't wait to get this book. I'm so <laughs> I, I just... I'm, Thanks, bro. But- I'm an optimizer, Michael. <laughs> I know this is your, this is
1: up your alley. Oh, and I've got a couple of other fun things to tell your audience D- about some me. products that I started working with that I yeah. love right now. Yeah. So um, one of the big things that I like to do is talk to people. Oh, sorry about that. About um, sinuses and breathing. Yeah. right? So remember, air you is your important fuel factor for sure. Um, there was a great book that came out not too long ago by James Nestor called Breath. Um, James is a dear friend and he talked about mouth taping. He talked about the importance of breathing through your nose, all things I'm a fan of just to be clear for mouth taping, you do not go horizontal with duct tape. You take a very small piece (laughs) up and down vertically, uh, medical tape preferably. So you don't rip your lips off. Um, and please get tested for sleep apnea before you try to tape your mouth, because that could be an issue as well. Um, So breathing becomes ultimately one of those super, wait, what was the question one more time? I just lost my train of thought.
0: Uh, You were going to tell me some interesting things that you've been working on.
1: Oh, but I've been working on breathing. So looking at breathing, you need to have clear nose because we want air goes through. So our nose is meant for breathing and our mouth is meant for eating. So how do we keep a clear nose? So I get nasal congestion. So number one, we have three pets in our house. We have two dogs and a cat. Um, and so there's pet dander. I mean, it doesn't matter how clean you keep your place. There's going to be pet dander, right? And so I actually use this. So this is a crazy looking thing. It's called a Sinu Sonic. S i n u s o n i c. Sinu Sonic. So this uses acoustic vibrations, and it replaces Afrin, okay. FloNase, all of the above. Okay. So two minutes breathing in and out, it has an acoustic vibratory mechanism in here. You breathe out against That is it the it,
0: weirdest looking thing I've ever seen, man. Isn't
1: it bizarre? But here's the thing. It's not that dissimilar <laughs> than a breathing treatment for an asthma patient. So people, people can kind of look at that, but you just kind of just like that. And it, you do it for two minutes in the morning and two minutes at night. So you and I do breath work occasionally, uh, in the mornings together, So I do this before breathwork every single time and it opens up my sinuses and allows me to hold my breath longer and allows me to get deeper breaths. So that is pretty cool.
0: I'm I'm, I'm thinking Frank blue velvet. I'm just saying,
1: I know it definitely (laughs) looks very blue velvet, but you know, he had the oxygen (laughs) mask, you know, (laughs) Dennis Hopper was much different uh, in, in that role than you and I will ever be. I can assure you of that, but great movie reference. Um, so that's one thing that I like. And then there's a second one I want to tell people about. This is actually a new product. I just started working with it, but the science is out of control. It's called Napjitsu. Okay. So as, as my optimizer friend, I'm sure you're, I've piqued your interests. So I'm a fan of naps if you need one. Um, but you need to understand that you don't want to nap too long um, uh, because then you feel like crap. But you also don't want to nap too short because it doesn't necessarily give you the benefits. So a while ago, I think the last time I was on your show, I talked about an idea I had called a Napa Latte, where you yeah. drink a cup of black coffee first, right. then you take your nap. And when you wake up, the caffeine kicks in and you're good for four hours, right? Yeah. This is like next level Napa Latte. OK, <laughs> so here's what it does is there's. And but guess what? There's blue pills and purple pills. No, red. <laughs> I love pills,
0: that. <laughs> there's blue pills
1: and purple pills. And so what you do is the blue pill is a very mild sedative. So it's got a little bit of uh, passion flower in it. It's got a little bit of valerian in it. It's got a little bit of five uh, HTP in it again, just to help you fall asleep to take a 30 minute nap. But then what kicks in, which is time released, not like melatonin, which is a stupid idea, but this one is a good one. Caffeine and 650 milligrams of nootropics. What are the nootropics? All right, I knew you were going to ask me that, and the the print is really small, so hold on. I'm gonna I'm gonna read it to you. So you gotta you gotta give me two seconds. Uh, Where am I? Let's see. Jessica, she's the one who. There we go. Okay, so in the in the two capsules is um, caffeine, um, and then guarana seed extract, which is also caffeine. Right. Um, cordyceps mushrooms, ginkgo. Uh, GABA, L-glutamine, L-tyrosine, and uh, ginseng. So it's all stuff that's readily bioavailable that can come on quickly and allow you to feel a level of focus and a level of uh, comfort there. So I- I've, I've been playing around with it for the last three weeks. I love it. It's like my, now it's like my super secret weapon. Um, and I'll tell you what uh, people are finding it good for, like right before the gym, Right, like you want to take a nap, get your get your nootropic on, and then you can focus and get get through your gym. If you're running, it's a great one. It's a great one for a nap before a run. I've I've noticed that's been kind of like I play around with it at different times of day to see when I can make it most effective for me. Um, it's it's actually pretty cool.
0: <laughs> Better living through
1: science. There you go, bro. <laughs>
0: that's awesome, uh, Michael. Uh, you're just you're just awesome. Um... <laughs> I'm so, uh, you know, this is the third time we've spoken on the show and every time I feel like you blow my mind with something (laughs) or other, um, I've been, you know, I, I haven't been going to breath work in the morning because I've been training myself. Oh, um, I get on my spin bike Mm -hmm. and I force myself to nose breathe. Perfect. It's like, and and it's, it gets really hard. I can teach you an easy way to do that.
1: Oh, so here's what you do yeah. is before you get on the bike, fill your mouth with water and then don't swallow it.
0: It sounds like an Apache Indian trick.
1: You will breathe through your nose, guaranteed. We did that on <laughs> remember I told you that um XPT that yeah, I did. Yeah, the Laird with, thing. With Laird and Gabby. They had us do a mile run with water in our mouth. And at the end, if you didn't spit the water out, you had to run it again with water in.
0: It was awesome. <laughs> I feel like sometime we should do a whole show on the XPT near death experiences. <laughs> There's just like a series of them.
1: I, it was fun. It was what, I, what can I tell you? I had a great time. Yeah, it's like recreational waterboarding. I, I, I know, like, pretty much.
0: Crazy. Um, Michael, this is, this is wonderful. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for having me. For folks out there who want to learn more, um, if you go to www.energizemyself.com, you can hear all about the book. If you just want to go to Barnes and Noble or Amazon and buy the book, it's called Energize. Um, or if you want to learn more about me, you can wander over to my website, which is thesleepdoctor.com. And I have that as my social handle for Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, um, TikTok. Would you believe I have a TikTok video that's got 1.5 million views right now?
0: I'm going to go there right after we do this. I need to go see to, you on TikTok. Go to
1: TikTok and uh, search for
0: Sleep Doctor. You're going to be shocked. <laughs> it's hilarious oh, cool. um, and for anybody who has a sleep disorder um, Michael's the guy um, <laughs> you want to you want to speak to him get, get yourself straight
1: absolutely absolutely thanks guys it has been awesome to be here and once again if you're not reading the whole newsletter you're missing out I'm telling you the stories in it and the photography is spectacular
0: it's, it's a real joy so really well done ah, you're the best Michael thank you Mr. Michael Bruce he's awesome one of, my, one of my good friends, and um, just really happy to have him in my life. Uh, so a reminder to everybody, the four big rocks, right? Movement, de-stressing, food, and of course, sleep. Get yourself straight on those, optimize those, and you're going to get yourself a long way. Next week, we got another great guest. If, if Hey, but if you have any questions for Michael, um, any sort of sleep questions, any questions for me, hit me up, davidsuperage.com. I answer all of my email directly and personally. And if you can, do us a favor. Please leave a comment. Leave a rating on whatever platform you're listening to us on. And perhaps share it with a friend. Because that's the only way we get other people to find out how to superage. And the more of us superaging, the better. Everybody, have a wonderful week. And we'll see you all next week. Take care now.